Mr. Star Rockin' around the Christmas tree Let the Christmas spirit ring Later we'll have some pumpkin pie And we'll do some Well, great to have you this evening. My name's David. Thanks again for coming. All of you watching online, we're really glad you're here. And I have a question to start out with. Are you ready for this? What are you learning so far this Christmas? Besides some new songs, what are you learning this Christmas? I heard a little boy say he's learning that you can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of eggnog. That's what he said. I heard from an adult, and they said, I've learned that wherever I drive my car for Christmas, the world's worst drivers follow me there. Is that not true? And then one lady said, I have learned this from a wife. I've learned that you can tell a lot about a man by the way he handles three things. Snow shoveling, tangled Christmas lights, and the Hallmark Christmas Channel. Amen. <laughs> hey, just a question. Maybe you saw it online. What has 15 actors, four settings, two writers, and only one plot line? 632 Hallmark Christmas movies. Anyway, I, I don't know, but... I'm glad you're watching. Well, we are learning a lot this Christmas. Each week we're taking a single word. This weekend, as you might have guessed, it's hope. We're learning some songs that you don't ever hear because they're Christmas songs of the original New Testament characters. You won't hear them on your own Christmas Spotify this year. My guess is that you, some of us, have never heard them before. We've covered them the last couple of weeks. We've understood we, that we covered Zachariah's song. That was a couple of weeks ago. Last week, uh, Beth Guggenberger was here. Didn't Beth do such a good job? Man, Beth's so great. Beth's covered Mary's song. I could listen to Beth teach all day long. Well, tonight, we want to look at a different character. His name is Simeon. It's called Simeon's Song, and his song was what we would call an anthem of hope. An anthem of hope. And I just need to tell you tonight that I come to you with some heavy hearts because people close to me, people maybe close to you, are needing a word of hope. Around the holidays, not everybody's happy. We don't get good news of great joy for everybody. Everybody in this room tonight is not happy. Oh, our face may look like we're happy, but we're not. The truth is, for a lot of people, it's a dirge, not a song of joy they sing at Christmas. It feels more like a drudgery than a delight. Surprisingly, I meet a lot of people who operate, especially during the holidays, especially if you hang out with your family, they operate with a hope deficit. They might go through Christmas smiling and saying it's all right, but behind that smile, there is a loss of hope. And I'm just telling you right now, when the temperature starts to drop and the snow starts to come, I feel more like Grinch and Scrooge and Walter Hobbs all wrapped up in one. Wow. Do we need a word of hope? Do we need a word of hope in our country right now? I mean, you just turn on the news. I'm done. I'm done with it. My staff told me not to say it, so I won't. But hope is the best dope. That's what I've been saying. Oh, I've been itching to say it. So I won't say that. But anyway... People are losing hope right now, especially in Cincinnati. And I'm not just because of the Bengals either. I'm talking about other things. The headline caught my eye. I don't know if you saw this. Ohio, this is right where we live now. Ohio repeats number two spot in the nation for overdose deaths with suicides spiraling up. 
Ohio held fast. This is not what Ohio wants to be known for. Ohio held fast to its overdose death ranking of second highest in the nation. The new federal report shows suicide rates keep rising across the nation, which has brought life expectancy in our country down, not up. The only state that beat Ohio in this, anybody want to guess? West Virginia. West Virginia. See, Center for Disease Control Director Robert Redford said this in the article. He called the data troubling. Life expectancy, I don't know if you know this, life expectancy is not going up. In spite of medical advances, it's going down. Why? Overdose, fentanyl, suicide. In fact, Ohio is, and West Virginia are bringing the national average down. Here's what he said. Life expectancy gives us a snapshot of the nation's overall health, and these sobering statistics are a wake-up call that we are losing too many Americans too early and too often to conditions that are preventable, he said. They quoted this. I find this fascinating and disturbing. When taken as a part of a three-year trend, he said, we are in the midst of the longest-lasting decline in life expectancy in the U.S. since World War I. Now, some of that is because of cancer. Some of that is because of other issues that are physical, but a lot of it, I think, is because people have lost hope. It seems like to me that God may have, not coincidentally, planted our church in greater Cincinnati, right here, right now, to change those stats. Do you believe that? In fact, I'm calling on you, if you're watching online or you're here in this room, you can be a game changer for somebody by being a hope dispenser. I think God put us here to provide hope. That almost sounds like a mission statement. That God has sent us here, we exist to help people find hope in Jesus and a home in his church. Hope is like our jam around here. It's who we are. So we're going to launch, by the way, to start our year in January, a campaign of hope. Everything's going to be about hope. And we want you to be people of hope. So to prepare you for that, the song, the story I want to cover tonight, this song of hope, is from a guy named Simeon. And I want to teach you some things from Simeon's life in Luke chapter 2. It's really revolving around the Christmas story, but it's a song that you probably haven't heard. Luke 2, verse number 22. It says here, When the time came for the, this is after now Jesus is born, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary uh, took Jesus, him, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is be kind of like our baby dedication ceremony. They were obedient, they were committed to raising their child, Jesus, in the way of the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, this is what else they do, they're not only consecrating him, notice the offering that they bring. We're going to have some offerings this Christmas Eve, I hope. But they are going to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. And what, notice what their offering was, Joseph and Mary's offering. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Why is that significant? These are the offerings of someone who is poor, someone on the margins of society. Joseph and Jesus was born to a poor, poverty-stricken family. No room in the inn. 
This, by the way, shows you that the wise men, I don't want to ruin your Christmas story, the wise men didn't show up till later on in Jesus' life, not the same time as Bethlehem. Because if the wise men had showed up, they had some gold, some frankincense, some myrrh. Right now they have just a pair of doves. And notice as they go to offer this simple gift in the temple, we meet the man, Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. What's the consolation? It means the, the, it's a consoling. They're waiting on someone to comfort the country of Israel. Primarily, they and Simeon thought the solution to their problem was not spiritual, it was political. Can you imagine somebody thinking that there's a political solution to hope problems in our culture. This may be a surprise to you. People in their day actually thought their hope, they put their hope in an earthly human ruler. It was never God's plan to deliver through a political figure. It is not, it never will be, unless that king is Jesus. It's a spiritual kingdom. But this guy, Simeon, he's waiting for the delivery, the comfort of his beloved nation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That was kind of a cool promise, isn't it? This guy's going to the temple every day for a long time. His eyes are moving to and fro, here, there. Where is this child? Where could be the deliverer of Israel? But he was promised his eyes would see it. There are many things that I have prayed for my eyes to see that I have seen, but there are some things I haven't seen yet that I've been praying. Maybe some of you have been praying, and every day it requires hope for you to show up at the job, hope to show up at your school, hope to show up in, in your family. You're waiting for the Holy Spirit to work to provide this person. See with your eyes things. And notice finally, today's the day, verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Now just stop right there. That word took literally means that he grabbed him. I don't know about you, but when you have your firstborn child, do you want an old man grabbing your kid? I don't think so. When that's not going to happen. He grabs him, kind of weird, and then he sings Simeon's song. Here's our Christmas song for the week. Here's a song. Doesn't rhyme like our Christmas songs do. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, not just the Jews, and the glory of your people Israel. Let me just stop right there. What is his song? My eyes have seen your salvation. Let me just speak into some of you tonight. Maybe some of you watching online. Take it from Simeon. When you meet Jesus, you're ready to die. When you meet Jesus, when you hold him, when you see him, when you have a relationship with him, you're ready to die. If you have not met Jesus, you know what? You're not ready to die. You're not ready to go. He's singing this song, my eyes have seen it, and he's praising God for the salvation of Jesus. He is it's a song of hope. Verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. 
they often marvel about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child, notice this is kind of a foreshadowing prophecy of the positive and the negative of this child Jesus. The child, this child, is destined to cause the rising and falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And by the way, a sword, he says, will pierce, he's talking primarily to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. It sounds like a song of tragedy, but it's a song of hope. We've been studying the names of the people that we've been singing their songs of. Simeon's name means God has heard. If you have any of y'all here tonight, any of you watching online, think that like you're praying, but God's not listening. And God, I can't believe this is happening to me. And you think you could not be listening. Are we on the same team, God? God has heard. And Simeon's song is one of hope and waiting and claiming the promise of God. The Bible calls him righteous and devout. Why? Because he learned somehow, which is what we have to learn. We have to learn to keep hope alive while we wait. How many of y'all like to wait? Anybody hear this weird like that? You like get in the longest line in the store? How many of y'all love to wait? I hate to wait. I hate to wait at a light. I hate to wait at a restaurant. I hate to wait at the store. I especially hate to wait at the doctor's office. What? Amen, somebody said. We have a lot of medical community people here. Waiting rooms are not fun. Think about what happens. The receptionist takes your name, get your insurance card. you got to fill out like 38 different forms electronically. I wonder where is that stuff going that I'm signing. You have to do all that stuff. The, she, the receptionist says, please take a seat. We'll call you when the doctor is ready. But we shouldn't get frustrated because you know what the purpose of the waiting room is? To wait, to wait, until you get to see the doctor. That's where it gets its name. Solutions, answers, cures come later. And some of us, I know, because I see some faces here, and I know some of your stories. Some of us here are sitting in God's cosmic waiting room right now. We're waiting with hope for the great physician to see us and help us. This is Simeon. He's waiting with hope. So if you're in God's waiting room, I have a message for you. God's, God's waiting room, his cosmic waiting room, waiting time is not wasted time. Waiting time is not wasted time. It may seem like forever before the physician says, come in. It may seem like forever before God's going to move, but it's not a waste. He's doing something in you and through you that only the waiting room can produce and deliver. The Bible says over in Galatians that when the fullness of time came, after all the waiting, everything had to be just right. When the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a virgin, to redeem the world. And like Simeon, the older you get, and I'm not as young as I used to be, but I'm not as old as some of us think I am, the older you get, the more you realize how important waiting with hope is. And God will cure you from your impatient spirit. In fact, as I reflect on it, every major decision in my personal and professional life has had this mega dose of waiting for God's timing 
to keep hope alive, I had to trust God. And every decision, everything that is it's really, I mean, I, one of the things you can maybe do at Christmas is just to go back as you reflect, how has God worked? When has God worked? Look back and kind of do a little history, an assessment of how many times you have waited, but God always showed up. He's always in time, on time, every time. You can't see him. Maybe you can't trace his hand. You got to trust his heart. And I look back now on my 58 years of life, and I realize that there's a major dose of waiting that was required. And I'm a better guy because I got it later and not now. I had to wait for God's timing and keeping hope alive. I waited for the fullness of time. So can I give you a couple things? When the fullness of time came, when everything was just right, I got to preach my very first sermon in front of my home congregation. And I looked over as I was preaching, and my mom was crying. And I thought it was because it was so good, and now I realize I, don't, I think it's because it was bad. I remember that very, I mean, I had nervous, I had butterflies. Sometimes people ask, Dave, you still get nervous? Absolutely. They just, the, I still got butterflies, they just fly in formation now. <laughs> but when the fullness of time came, it was time to preach. When the fullness of time came, I got up the nerve to ask this hot high school girl named Donna on a date. <laughs> and I hoped that she said yes, and she did. And I still think, Something like this actually gets to be married to someone like her? You don't have to say amen down there. I heard that. <laughs> then when the fullness of time came, we got married in 1981. When the fullness of time came, a few years later, our first child, Amanda, came along in 1984. But spending time in God's waiting room was necessary for the next child as Donna and I had to deal with secondary infertility. It was nearly seven years before our second child was conceived, and we were thrilled. But shortly before the holidays, back in 1992, that pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. And although we didn't know it at the time, that would be our last Christmas spent waiting and hoping for another child. Because in December of 1993, our son, David Tyler Vaughn, was born less than three weeks before Christmas, completing our family bringing us untold joy, and in him we are well pleased. And then when the fullness of time came, can I just stop here? Remember we talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth wanting a baby and not being able to conceive. I get that. Hope has to stay alive when you don't think God is listening. It is his name, Simeon. God has heard. But then when the fullness of time, fast forward now all these years, when the fullness of time came, we moved here to Cincinnati 17 years ago because of a, a call to my best friend who's here tonight, John Hampton, visiting from Florida and enjoying our weather with his wife, Melinda. And John said, David, I think there's a church you might ought to check out. And the timing was just right for me to consider coming to Cincinnati. And I somehow came... And they somehow liked me, and I was just hoping that this church would grow. I, I came to a church that had some bad habits and some bad hearts, but some great elders. There were some outsiders who said, you're crazy for coming to that church. I had some members when I showed up that said, you're crazy, I can't believe you're here. 
but look what God did. I got to meet you. I was simply the right guy at the right time. When the fullness of time had come, John and I, we preached in little churches all over the place. That's how you start. And if you're too big to preach in a small church, you're too small to preach in a big church. And one of the things I think that we have learned is that you got to trust God for his timing. We've had time and time again in this church when we didn't know. We just waited. We prayed. So don't lose hope. Be like Simeon. When the time is right, your eyes will see the salvation of the Lord. Listen to me online. Don't be another statistic. Don't give up on the promise and the potential of God in your life. He has not forgotten you. He has heard you. He is hearing you. His throat was slashed. Just a regular admission to Bellevue Hospital that one January day. He lived in a bowery of filth and booze, loneliness. It was the dead-end street of an incredible life. The man admitted that day was not known to anyone, but he lived to drink. He was the shell of a man who looked twice his age. That night he had been drinking again, fell badly, bruising his head, slashing his throat, and even in that state, he begged for a drink. They called the ambulance, they put him in the Bellevue Hospital, where he languished three days before dying. Several days later, down at the morgue, he was finally identified. And what was this man's estate that he left? His belongings were just an old dirty coat, a pair of pants with 38 cents in one pocket, a piece of paper in the other pocket with five simple words on that piece of paper. What were the words on that piece of paper? Dear friends and gentle hearts. Sounds like poetry. It sounds like the words of a song, and it likely was. For this man was a derelict with the body of a bum, but the mind of a genius. Before, a long time before that, at his tragic death at 37 years of age, this man had written songs that many know and still sing today, more than 200 songs. Some of them even composed right here in Cincinnati because he lived here for a while. Songs like Camp Town Races, Oh Susanna, I Dream of Jeannie with the Light Brown Hair, and all Kentucky fans know it, My Old Kentucky Home. <coughs> Written by a man named Stephen Foster. Our thanks, but our sympathy to a man who nobody really recognized and who finally lost hope. Friend, don't let this world drive the hope out of you. This is a dark place. This is a place of death. It's a place of disease. It's a place where we are not intended to stay. And don't leave this world because you have no hope on your own initiative. God loves you. Listen to me. God loves you whether you're naughty or nice. He wants your burdens. He wants your binges. He wants your bigotries. He can turn your flops and your fibs and your failures into these stepping stones. Some of you have had some setbacks. It makes for great comebacks. God, we've seen it here in this church, can take hopeless situations and turn them around to hope-filled opportunities. Some of you, your current misery this Christmas is going to be your future ministry next Christmas if you just hold on to hope. If there's one lesson we learn from Simeon, it's this. Your hope in Jesus Christ will never disappoint you. Don't put your hope in anything else 
you're going to get robbed. It's going to leave you disappointed. Disciples of Christ, followers of Jesus, have a hope like no other. And time will prove his power and his promise. Even though there are news like I got today and others that I've been getting this week, for some reason, we have a whole bunch of folks in our church that have just been attacked, assaulted with that hideous disease of cancer. Some of them really close to us. And I look forward to the day when the hope of heaven comes and there is no more cancer or death. I'm looking forward to no more diets, no more divorce, no more colonoscopies, praise God. <laughs> no more kaopectate, right? No more elections, no more politicians. No more losing baseball, football seasons. No more overdoses. No more suicides. The Bible says the old order of things will pass away and the new will come. Why? We have hope because of the baby born in the manger. So today, two action items for you to apply. Number one, I'm asking you to get hope if you don't have it. How do you get hope? Same way Simeon did. Keep your eyes on Jesus this season. Keep looking for the Christ child at work. And if you have not gone all in, the way you're going to get hope is to identify with him in the water of baptism. First Sunday, first Thursday in January, first Sunday in January. Next week, no Thursday service. Celebrate at home. Reflect on this inventory of your life. But two weeks from tonight, I'm praying for one person from our Thursday night service. That's the smallest of all that we do. I'm praying for one person to come. Maybe that person is you. The first time we did all in, Years ago, I hoped for just one person to come. 55 did. I'm hoping the timing, when the fullness of time has come, maybe the fullness of time has come for you. And we'll be praying. We'll be waiting. So find a way to get hope. Then secondly, especially right now with Christmas Eve coming up, get hope and then give hope. Maybe you'll be the one that invites someone else next Sunday, next uh, Christmas Eve, Tuesday night, to get hope. We want to give hope to people by giving them an invite card. We want to give hope to people uh, by, I'm hoping, I mean, I've been like waiting for some of my friends that I've been inviting, it seemed like Christmas after Christmas after Christmas to come. And they haven't come yet. Last year, one of our neighbors came and it was such a big service they couldn't even get in the building. So 133, 430. We think 430 is going to be the biggest. If you got choices, maybe come earlier. I'm praying my friend will come again. I'm hoping that. So keep giving hope. You can give hope this Christmas with our Christmas Eve offering. 30,000 is our minimum. We're, we want to give the whole offering away to resource people. If we get over 30, we'll resource some other things that need to be done. But I'm asking you to bring your best gift to give hope to people all year through our Life Center. So this is kind of what I'm describing is the way to practically do the collective mission of our church, which is to provide help and hope and a home. And I'm asking you to not only get hope, but to give hope. Let me close with just one scripture here. It says earlier, and I hit on it before, Simon was waiting on the consolation of Israel. What was ultimately the consolation of Israel? Who was the consolation? That word means consoler 
or comforter. It was Jesus Christ. Could I, let me ask you a question. Who is, what is the biggest comfort to you in hopeless, helpless, and trying times? What is your comfort solution? Is it comfort food? Is it comfort drink? Is it that cozy blanket? Is it a comfort pet? I'm telling you, this season, make Jesus, like Simeon, the source of your comfort and your hope. And let me just read from Isaiah chapter 61 as I close the words of Isaiah predicting a day when hope would walk the earth. And these are the very words, what I'm going to read to you, are the very first words from the very first sermon that Jesus Christ ever preached on earth. He got up in the temple, he opened the scroll, and here is what Jesus said. You can read it over in the Gospels. Here's how Isaiah first said it, and he was reading Isaiah. Here's what Jesus said. And as I read it, for those of you who are struggling with hope, who are surrounded it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. These are words to claim. So you're not another statistic. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. We just did that with Toy Store. We're going to bring good news to the poor if our offering is good. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. So many brokenhearted people to proclaim freedom for the captives. How many people are captive to a, a hurt, a habit, a hang-up in their life? And release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort, there's our word, console all who mourn. Anybody here mourning? And provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Those are, friend, words of hope. And if you don't hear anything else I'm saying tonight, I just want to tell you you're not alone. Hope is alive. It's found in a person. That's why we follow Jesus. Maybe some skeptics here. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe skeptics watching online. Tell me what other organization other than the church gives hope to people. Tell me what it is. It's the hope of the world, friend. If you'll tell me what other organization, what other company, what other agency gives hope better than the church, tell me because I'm going to close shop here and I'm going to go do that. This is the only thing that ripples into the next life. And the hope of this sad and dark world is the church working right. It's the church of God. It's God's house. It's not the White House. It's not the Senate or Congressional House. It's not the schoolhouse, although we love teachers. It's not the trading house. It's your hope of the world is your house and God's house working together to provide help, hope, and a home. To people. So if you're struggling with some hope issues tonight, we'll have some folks down front. They would love to pray with you. There's going to be a lot of praying, I sense, in our church in coming days because of 
sickness and things in our church. If you want somebody, maybe it's your first time here, we'll have some folks over here to talk with you and get some information so we can help you take these steps of hope. And boy, if you have not gone all in, this is your first step toward hope. Man, you can so do this. And we're praying for you to come now two weeks from tonight to make that possible. So if I could just have you stand. I want to pray to close out our service. Any of these next steps to get hope or give hope, I pray the Holy Spirit would prompt you to do that. I want us to be like Simeon, who even though limping along, older in age, still had a vision for what God was going to do in his life. He never lost hope. And now someday we'll see him in heaven and we'll be with Jesus because all of us now, because of Jesus, have that hope that we will meet him because he conquered death. We will be able to conquer death. That's the hope of glory. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we close out tonight. Some of us with uh, heavy hearts. Some of us with, Father, delighting hearts. Every day we wake up not realizing it could be our last. Every day we go through our life not realizing that we will not lock eyes with anybody tomorrow, wherever we go, that does not matter to you and does not need hope. Father, thank you that we, there are no hopeless situations, only people who have lost hope. So help us to gain that, and we get hope by being together, like tonight, by gathering in community. And so, Father, as we now move into this Christmas Eve week, we pray for all these things to work together for good. And we pray, God, that we might do our best inviting for this good news so people can meet the Christ child before they pass from this life. And we give you glory for whatever you're going to do, and we thank you now in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. We'll see you in two weeks. We're going to talk about peace. And we'll see you on Christmas Eve for sure. God bless you. Hey guys, so glad that you joined us online today. Keep in touch in the future. Again, you can text the word NEW to the number on the screen or PRAY to the number on the screen. And we'd love to pray with you. Have a great week.